today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Coming out the other end, of course, there's going to be some concern about uh, how employers and employees are going to, to deal with each other and, and try to, well, get back to a, on a level footing, I guess, with the economy. Uh, are there models that they can use to follow? Well, apparently, yes, and one of them might be staring us right in the face, and it's, uh, it's the NBA. Uh, the National Basketball Association, uh, because of the protocol that they went through. Let's, let's not forget the fact that, you know, a year ago, uh, they had to shut down the league for a period of weeks, and they finally came back in what they called a bubble situation, of course, down in Florida. Uh, and it worked for all intents and purposes. Uh, during that time, the, the NBA recorded zero cases over nearly 100 days last season of, of new cases of COVID. So how did they do it and how can we incorporate what they have done, uh, into, uh, the workforce and into employer relationships, uh, in this side of the, of the border as we come across some of this stuff? Well, there's a fascinating piece, uh, that was written, uh, by Riff Jetha, who is a scientist in the Institute for the Work of Health and Assistant Professor at the University of Toronto's Dalla School of Public Public health, and I wanted to bring the, the good professor on to talk about this because I think there's a lot we can learn from this. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could be with us here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm a avid basketball fan. Watch the Raptors all the time, and of course, we watch the bubble and we watch what's gone on this year. And, and the NHL, to a lesser extent, of course, tried to do the same thing last year. They're having some problems this year now that they're they've kind of changed their thing. But I, I was so fascinated by your piece because there, there's a lot to be learned from from the way the NBA handled this, isn't there? Yeah, there sure is. I think, uh, especially last year, the NBA was one of the first major organizations in North America to reopen, obviously in an adapted format. They took a number of risks, but they did so using evidence and they informed their practices based on best practice. And I think one of the key strengths of the bubble was that they got buy-in from the players. So players were involved in the planning and implementation of all the health and safety protocols. And that was pretty key. Yeah, and that, that's got to be job one. I know there's a number of points that you talk about in the piece that uh, that are essential for this to happen, but uh, that's that's got to be job one. Because i got to tell you, when they started this and when they announced this was what they were going to do last year, I was one of those skeptics that say it's not going to work. Look at how this is spreading through just about every other facet of, of society. How can these guys really do something that's going to actually mitigate that? But they did find a formula, didn't they? Yeah, and I think it, this really relates to a lot of the research we've done in the past prior to the COVID pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic emerging, which is that organizations really need to have a dedication towards health and safety. And that creates this foundation with which all other strategies and policies and protocols can emerge. And I think that's really shown true in in the COVID-19 uh, pandemic workplaces that have really been focused towards health and safety. They've been more successful in designing and implementing uh, strategies to address the spread of, uh, of COVID-19. And I think what's also important to note is being able to communicate it. I think the NBA did a really great job of communicating their plans to players. And, and I think because of that, there was a lot of buy-in. And as a result, it was also very successful. Which doesn't happen very often. I mean, you know, that, that, that bridge between management and the players is often a bridge too far for many of them. Uh, but I, I guess the job one in trying to get that buy-in was, was to, I guess, in, make sure that they're aware of just how impactful this was going to be and how severe uh, the pandemic was. And, you know, these are the guidelines. These are the parameters, guys. If you don't follow them, uh, everybody loses. And they, they all seem to get that message. Yeah, and I guess we should acknowledge that obviously the NBA is a well-financed organization, right? So it's it yeah, there's that. A lot of, <laughs> yeah, dedicated a lot of resources, but the 
outcome of that was massive. They, they were able to prevent a huge amount of revenue loss uh, as a result of being able to televise games and keep their sponsorship deals intact. And I think it just goes to show for a lot of employers that uh, investment into health and safety, especially during the pandemic, can have significant implications for uh, the economics and the ability to generate productivity and generate business uh, as we kind of move forward in this post-pandemic world. One of the other pieces that you talked about that's essential to this too is to, to be prepared for unanticipated consequences. And we saw that manifested last year in the, in the bubble, didn't we? And uh, the, the example that jumped out at me was uh, Fred Van Vliet, of course, from the Raptors, who uh, was quite open about the fact that he you know, was living in the bubble, that he was kind of depressed and he was missing his family. And uh, it, um, it, he was one of the few that spoke out about this, but it's something that was impactful for an awful lot of the players. Uh, to be isolated like this uh, is, is really kind of against our nature. And, and the NBA uh, actually had to be prepared for this and offer some alternatives. Yeah, I think I think you're you're definitely right there. There was a number of players who talked about feeling anxious, feeling feeling down and depressed, and I think that's a, a legitimate uh, outcome of being isolated from uh, your day to day life. And I think what's important for employers to note is that kind of unanticipated consequence of some of the health and safety strategies can also have performance impacts. We saw that with Paul George uh, of the LA Clippers. He was had a noticeable drop-off in his performance during the playoffs last year in the bubble. And uh, I think he attributes it to the fact that, you know, he wasn't totally there mentally. And I think it's something for employers to, to really be aware of. And I think also as we move into this kind of uh, post-pandemic world or a world where we're more likely to reopen, I think employers also need to realize that COVID-19 is going to be around, even if we, uh, like a majority of us are vaccinated. And I think what we're seeing in the NBA is that now that they're in this real world setting, players are getting or contracting COVID-19 and that's affecting the ability to like, like uh, feel the team or have all players play up to uh, the, the standards that they normally would. And again, we're seeing this with the, the Toronto Raptors where yeah. uh, a number of players got uh, sick as a result of COVID-19 and it's had a noticeable impact on their performance on the court. And, and even after the fact, and, and you mentioned that in the piece, which I think is is very important here, uh, even when they did return to full health, and I guess that's a relative term, I suppose, uh, these days, uh, they still didn't play very well because of the, 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 the psychological impact, I guess, uh, that, that it was having on the team. And, uh, you know, I, I, and it's it's interesting that you've connected those dots uh, about employees' mental health and, and perspective uh, vis-a-vis the conditions in which they're working. Uh, you mentioned a couple of guys that, that didn't perform well into the bubble last year. Pascal Siakam, of course, from the Raptors, is one of them that got an awful lot of heat. Hey, he's not the same player he was before. Uh, we seem to forget right off the bat, well, look what the conditions these guys are playing in. You know, they're in a bubble. They don't have any contact with the outside world. You know, they eat meals together. And it's it's an isolationist thing that is really uh, problematic for them. And, and I guess employers uh, have to understand that they have to be cognizant of, of, of these mental health issues that people are dealing with in a work environment. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely an important point to make. And I think uh, it goes back to this idea of collaborating with employees in the design of COVID-19 related prevention strategies. And if the employees are 
involved in the ground floor of the development of these strategies, I think it allows them to buy into it. And I think that was pretty key uh, in the bubble, the NBA bubble, but also now that they're playing in actual stadiums. And as uh, as anyone notes, uh, like if you read the policies of the NBA, there's a lot of procedures that, that players still need to go through, like twice daily testing, contact tracing, their team meetings are totally different, the way they practice is totally different. And that's going to have a significant impact on their well-being as well. And employers need to realize that and kind of adapt to that. But I think, again, including employees can make a significant difference in the follow-through with these plans. Well, because you have to balance that, I guess, when you get into the real-world environment. Uh, you know, But some people will say, well, I think it's an infringement on my rights. I don't want to be tested twice a day. Uh, and they have to, I guess everybody has to be of the, the same mind that it's it's what we need to do. Uh, if you want to perform and if you want to be, you know, in, in this environment, it's it's the new normal, I guess. And as you mentioned, it's going to be like this for some time to come. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of debates that emerge over time and in, in some of the the reporting that we've done, some of the work that we've done, some of the questions that pop up is also like what role should employers have uh, with vaccinations and also how will employers treat uh, vaccinated and unvaccinated players differently. And I think that's a concern that the NBA is starting to kind of uh, uh, experience right now as uh, vaccines are becoming more and more available to younger people in the United States, especially. And so I think there's a lot of interesting debates that are popping up. And I think for me, one of the big uh, outcomes of just analyzing or looking into the NBA is the idea that there needs to be some level of creativity that comes along with the development of these different strategies and organizational policies and programs. And I think that creativity is ne- definitely necessary in this really dynamic COVID-19 environment where things are changing on a daily or weekly basis. How do you overcome something like that uh, to, to break down those those barriers and have those conversations uh, between, well, management and, and, and employees? In other words, in, in the NBA, it's pretty obvious who's management and who the employees are, but in, in a work environment to create that that environment so that they can feel as if, uh, you know, conversation and collaboration can be part of the, the deal. Yeah, I think it comes down to a culture uh, like, or building up a culture within an organization. And right now, many of us are kind of in virtual work environments if we're lucky. And I think it creates another level of challenge for employers because they need to kind of worry about this culture building in a virtual uh, situation. And I think that that just kind of creates additional pressures on employers. And I think it, it, it's just the nature of this current circumstance that uh, there's more there's more at stake. And so as a result, one, we need to be more creative. Two, we need to be more collaborative. And three, we need to be more agile in the way we are implementing different strategies. And I think if we follow that recipe, uh, no matter what industry we're situated within, there will be some level of success that we will we will see, I think, within workplaces. But I think as we see in the NBA, like COVID is going to be around for a while. And not only that, people who've suffered from the virus, they're going to continue to exhibit symptoms of what we call long haulers. And I think that also requires a level of adjustment within the work environment. And we need to think about how we can accommodate workers who have fatigue or who continue to experience some level of symptoms, even if they are uh, free of COVID-19. And we saw that with the, with the bubble last year, didn't we? I mean, there were others that, and even this year, even though, you know, they're, they're not really in the bubble, but they're trying to play in some sort of an isolationist environment. Uh, and, and go to the Raptors example again, a number of people that actually tested positive and had to sit out a number of games. Uh, just because you're deemed to be able to go back on into the lineup doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy at 100%. Uh, and it does have an impact on day-to-day uh, uh, you know, performance, I guess, as it did with the, with the athletes. 
Yeah, I think like there there was a number of uh, circumstances that we can we can see right in front of us. So like Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics, he talked about feeling fatigued towards the end of games. Even like watching the Raptors, which which I do uh, as much as I can, uh, like towards the third and fourth quarter, there's a noticeable drop off in their performance. And I think that kind of lesson is one in which employers need to realize as well is that if they do have employees who've gone through COVID-19, there could be a drop-off in performance and we need to think about how we can accommodate those workers who are fatigued or who are less likely to maybe perform physical tasks and are there ways we can adapt the working environment so that those employees are accounted for and then they can kind of recover as we move forward in this uh, reopening strategy. When we do get to that point where, you know, the reintegration is going to take place and, uh, how comfortable are we going to be to do that? I mean, a lot of people, as you mentioned, Doctor, have been working from home for well, a year now in many cases, uh, and and there's some sense of, of, of dialogue and conversation, but it's not the same as, as being in a work environment with, with coworkers, and, and we've divorced ourselves from that, uh, not by our own choice, of course, over the last year. How difficult is it going to be for us to get back into that environment and feel comfortable there? Yeah, I think it's going to be quite challenging. And I think it's also going to be uh, like workplace specific and industry specific. So I think some workplaces, the transition back to a physical work environment, uh, if, if that does end up happening, I think will be more seamless for some and more challenging for others. And I think, again, it goes back to this idea that employers in collaboration with employees need to evaluate some of the risks within their specific work environments and then develop and implement creative strategies uh, to account for those uh, risks that could emerge in a more physical uh, working environment. I I think it's obviously going to be different for every workplace, but I think if we work collaboratively, I think that's going to be the key to moving forward. And, and as you mentioned in the piece, and I think it's maybe one of the, the real takeaways from from this, uh, is that even if uh, employees and employers develop this this protocol and say, okay, here's how we're going to handle this, guys, as we get back into this, uh, you've got to be, as you mentioned, to anticipate the unexpected consequences that could happen and, and be able to pivot. Like, you know, oh, I didn't see that coming. Well, you need to be prepared for you didn't see that coming. Yeah, and it's challenging, right? I think... Uh hindsight is 2020 and i think we are seeing that with covid19 like i think a lot of employers looking back at their response maybe early on in the pandemic maybe they would change the way that they uh, had implemented certain strategies or certain regulations uh, in response to the the early stages of the pandemic but i think you're right and i think having uh, again i I keep uh, saying this but like being collaborative in the development of these strategies i think will go a long way because having multiple people who have insights into the various aspects of the work environment that provides different perspectives and again it leads to uh, more effective solutions as a result and i think that's a, a big point that's come across in a lot of our research in the past prior to the pandemic and i think it still holds true in our current environment and, and I know that there have been some employers that have actually been rather proactive in, 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 in you know, developing programs like this and having that dialogue, you know, the relationship between employee and employers uh, and, and having some dialogue about policy. But it's almost going to have to be the, the, the way things have to be, I guess, for just about everybody right now as we get back into this, because there's nobody who has not been impacted by this in one way or another. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. I think uh, everyone is going to have to engage in this conversation, whether you're a small organization or a large organization. And regardless of uh, the industry that you're situated in, uh, everyone needs to engage in thinking about how to make workplaces safer and uh, uh, how to make uh, even the most 
high-risk workers uh, feel more comfortable going to work and feeling safe at work. And, and we saw that, again, you, you know, the, the analogy between the, the NBA and, and, and the workplace here, I think, is, is very apt uh, because we saw others who, who actually performed quite well in these circumstances, others who didn't seem to be able to handle it uh, for a variety of reasons, and a lot of those could be personal. Uh, you know, we saw that happen to the NHL, who had a bubble situation, too. I mean, remember, uh, late in the season, the Boston goaltender just went home and said, I, I can't do this anymore because of, you know, the, the loss of family, and he just felt that that isolation uh, that, that a lot of the players had talked about in situations like that. So uh, when we do get back into this normal, whatever that's going to be, I guess one of the key words here is, uh, you know, keep an eye on the employees and watch what's going on and be ready to anticipate uh, you know, these sorts of problems. Yeah, I think, I think you're making some really great points, and I think it's important to highlight the fact that COVID-19 doesn't stay in the workplace. It comes home with people and uh, NBA players and NHL players. Uh, they have families and they have, uh, they have caregiving responsibilities as well. And I think that creates an added level of stress, and it creates an added level of transmission that, again, this is another consideration for employers to be, be aware of, is the fact that when uh, employees go home, there's a likelihood that uh, they could be exposed uh, through other avenues as well. And I think that creates another level of comp- complexity in this whole scenario that uh, I think is going to uh, result in challenges as, we, uh, as workplaces reopen. Fascinating piece, uh, very insightful, and, and hopefully it's going to serve as some framework for a lot of folks uh, that are trying to decide just how we're going to go forward on this. Uh, Doctor, a real pleasure having you on the program today. Thanks so much for this. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. Dr. Arif Jetha, of course, from uh, the Dalalana School of Public Health in Toronto, University of Toronto. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.